Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Real Talks. I'm your host, David Steele, and I'd like to welcome my co-host back, Ann Cargar. This is the second episode in a long line of them, and will span over the course of several months as we analyze, critique, and dissect each and every Marvel film in chronological order of release. Last week we did Iron Man, and this week we'll be doing Iron Man 2. Just a friendly reminder, if you like what you're hearing, you can follow us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Just search Real Talks. That's R-E-E-L Talks. Just like my name, S-T-E-E-L-E. Also, you can follow us on social media. I'm on Twitter at WannabeRounder, LinkedIn, and on Instagram. Where can they find you, Ian? They can find me on Instagram under frogs underscore Z, so F-R-O-O-G-Z underscore Z. Just one last quick announcement. Our Patreon channel recently went live about a month ago. You can find it by typing Real Talks into the search bar. Let me tell you a little about it. We're offering five different levels you can support us at. $5, $10, $20, $30, and $40. If you do choose to support us, you'll have the opportunity to get some great perks, such as earning your name shouted out before every podcast, cool merch, and if you're one of our major contributors, you'll get a one-hour monthly meeting with Illo and myself over Zoom. For more details, just go to the website. I'll leave the link in the description, so without any further ado, let's dive into the movie. So, you said you'd seen Iron Man in the theater, so did you actually see this one in the theater as well? I didn't. I was kind of, you know, put off by the Hulk, to tell you the truth. And so I was like, oh, it was just a fluke. I'm not going to bother. But I did watch it on DVD. I think back when we still had blockbusters. So I'm kind of dating myself. Yeah. Okay. That, that's So for all those people that don't know, The Incredible Hulk actually came out a month after Iron Man did. So it, Iron Man came out in May of 08 and then Incredible Hulk came out in June of 08 and people really didn't know if this was supposed to be canon or is this really part of the going to be part of the MCU or whatever and yeah it didn't really Edward Norton really didn't do that good of a job I mean it's worth the DVD watch if you want anyways we're talking about the sequel today so once again this movie was released by Marvel Studios in 2010 Distributed domestically by Paramount Pictures. And the budget was a whopping, I say whopping for its time, $200 million. And it grossed just about $624 million worldwide. And had a very even split between domestic and international. And the opening weekend blew away the first Iron Man. This one opened at $128 million. So you obviously saw the fan reception there. And John Favreau, which I think was a big factor, returned in the sequel. So what were some of your first impressions going back to watch it? I realized how early Jarvis showed up. I mean, I didn't realize how early on he came into the mythos. I just really liked the voice actor on that. So Paul Bettany. Yeah. And he, um, I kind of had a little crush on him. So <laughs> there <laughs> you was, go. It's a long-standing love of that guy. You know, it wasn't the same wow factor, but I think there's a little bit more humor. So, like, Pepper Potts, like, when, you know, they're at Monaco and they're trying to give him his 
Iron Man suit in the suitcase. And she's like, ah, you know, she's kind of having a freak out moment. That was kind of how I would react. So I'm kind of a panicker in a, in a high tense situation. So I think more of the Marvel humor was kind of coming out in that Iron Man too. So those were the kind of the things that came out to me were just the humors coming out. You know, I think Happy's kind of maturing as a character. That's kind of what my impressions were. What are your thoughts what were the yeah. first impressions? So I, and you're, you're right. I mean, the humor was, I had a couple, I mean, I hadn't seen this movie in a few years. I mean, I had seen it before, but there were a lot of laugh out loud moments and it, they were placed so well that you really didn't know. I mean, even the ending scene where the senator is putting the, the pin on Tony, you know, it, it's just little jabs. Oh, I mean, how small a prick could be, you know, it's just like, you know, the play on words, the puns, I mean, sometimes they're better than James Bond. So, yeah, that was one of the things. No, you write about character development, too, and we see the character development in this from everybody. We saw a lot of introductions to the characters we're going to see and talk about later on down the road. Black Widow was the first first one to make an appearance. You know, Kate Muir has a you know very small part. Even though she's not in the MCU, I, I kind of kind of had a little crush on her house of cards. So, but that's my celebrity crush, but yeah. So one of the biggest changes, and you talked about it, Dan, last time was Rhodey. So Terrence Howard no longer was playing that role. And we had Don Cheadle as what, had you seen him in much prior to Iron Man? No, I didn't really recognize him as an actor, but I've heard the name before. I think I had heard the name before. It's just kind of hard. It's, been such a long time like you only know people as marvel characters nowadays and you know that you see some character switching in like this early era you know we we see a switch up of banner we see switch up of roads and like i don't think that's going to happen going forward in the movies because people realize what you know a moneymaker marvel movies are and i don't think we see as much switching around as we did because people are like okay i've got a marvel movie you know this is i'm made when i get into one of these movies they've become an established character they're not going to let that go yeah no i agree with you and i think that the biggest movie that he did i mean he had done other films but i would say the biggest film that he had in he was in i mean the one best picture for that year was crash so, I mean, whether you like the film or not, that was one of the biggest films he was in. Right. And that put him on the map. But you're right. Once you're in that kind of Marvel film, you're locked in. And just off a side note, it actually, if you want to go back, I just put up a weekly update last night. And I talked all about CinemaCon. And Disney and Kevin Feige actually were at CinemaCon. And we're going to be doing so, Ann and I will actually be doing another podcast on Tuesday or Wednesday, and we're going to be doing the whole MCU in preparation for Doctor Strange 2. But getting back to that, Kevin Feige had actually come on stage, and they planned out almost the, ten, the next 10 years, if you can believe that. So what you're talking about, about being locked in, yeah, you're locked in for a long time. <laughs> well, I mean... Marvel has a continuity. I mean, I can't think of anything in my lifetime other than Marvel movies where a cinematic universe continues and is such a absolute moneymaker. I mean, I don't go to the theater to see anything other than, 
you know, really Marvel movies. I mean, I'll see something occasionally, maybe like a Disney movie here and there, but it's always just Marvel movies that you go to the theater for. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you bring that point up. So the conversation I had with uh, Ryan McQuaid, we were actually talking about that. It was going to be a blockbuster preview. And then he said, there's only two types of movies today. You have your Marvel movies and you have everything else. And he was talking about, we were talking about how much Doctor Strange was going to make and everything else. And he said, people just don't go to the movies to go to the movies to be entertained anymore. They don't go to enjoy themselves. It's, oh, what superhero movies are coming out next? And he was talking about the machine and everything else. You can go back and listen to that whole conversation we had with Ryan last week. And that was enlightening. We talked about some other stuff, too. Anyways, we're not here to talk about that. So I would agree with you about Rhodey. It was good to see some fresh blood in there. And he's lasted for 15 years. We did talk about the humor that even was shining through in the first 15 minutes with, you know, the Senate hearing. (laughs) And he's hacking the TVs. What do we have here? Oh, this is North Korea. Oh, we have Iran. You know, so I mean, it's Tony Stark being Tony Stark, but it's just like, and then you saw the, you know, the look on uh, Rory's face, like, unbelievable. So, yeah, that was the big thing, though, about this movie is when we find out he's Iron Man, and then a couple years later, and, but the big thing is that the suit is killing him. So how, and that, that's the outlying thing of the, of the movie, how is he going to kill him? I always thought that was a weak plot point. It's embedded in his chest, but like he's getting poisoning. It's not like, it's like a magnet. It's not like in his blood. I didn't really understand like how it's poisoning him, but that's a... Oh, it was getting kind of like mercury, I guess. I don't know. I, it just seems odd. You know, it's, <laughs> I always thought it was kind of, it never really um, clicked with me how he was getting poisoning when it's not, you know, it's not like heart implant. It's not like touching his blood. And then he's getting, like, palladium poisoning. And I'm not really even sure why they picked palladium, of all things. It like, just sounds good. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know. Is palladium actually poisonous in real life? I'm I don't kind know. of well, curious. But maybe one of our listeners can tell us. Is palladium poisonous? And if so, how long does it take to actually kill you? That would be a good fact to know. But so speaking about something about the palladium. So he goes off the stage for the, the expo. He looks at his blood the first time, and it's 24%, or it's like 15%. And then he looks at it in the lab, and it's 24%. When he gets to Monaco, man, it was at 53%. Do you think the guy would be dead? Right. You know, based <laughs> off of if he's going like 4% a day. <laughs> like, you know, that's half your bloodstream. Well, I mean, unless you get transfusions, you're not going to survive. But those are minor, minor things. For I know, I'm being nitpicky. I'm being <laughs> exactly. nitpicky. You've got to suspend dis- you know, your disbelief at that point. But Yeah. So i got to ask you, what did you think? To me, this was one of the big first times you see, I won't say a big star, but what did you think about Mickey Rourke? I mean, he just come off, I think he had just come off doing The Wrestler. He was still a, a name out there. What did you think about him as the villain? I mean, he just seemed... Like an old-time rocker to me. He just kind of seemed... He didn't have kind of the... He wasn't like an Obadiah, you know? Mm-hmm. He wasn't... He just didn't have, like, a lot of evil vibes. He just kind of seemed like an old man that was just kind of there. And it... He just didn't have much of a presence in my mind. Like, Obadiah, like, he... 
he had like kind of that snake quality. I don't know. He just, I just couldn't like see him as a villain. Maybe it's because I've seen him in other things and I've, you know, Obadiah was just Obadiah. He was that actor. I haven't really seen him, but you know, I've seen him in other acting roles and maybe it's just hard for me to kind of superimpose that. So maybe that's a good reason why Marvel kind of goes with new people a lot of the time, you know, new actors that people aren't really familiar with. So you can just kind of have a blank slate. Yeah. No. And I think, I mean, you have to also remember too, he was, I will say one thing though. He looks apart, right? Yeah. I mean, he, he looked a part of a guy who wanted revenge and he'd been in jail and he had the tats and the teeth and everything else. So he looked apart. It was it was an interesting change of pace, and I think you'll you see that, and we'll talk about this over the course of the many podcasts of the different villains. And so you go from a snake-like quality in Obadiah to somebody really down and dirty in Mickey Rourke's character. So yeah, it was it was an interesting change. Did you like him as the villain? Yeah, he wasn't bad. I mean, he wasn't terrible, and I think he played the role well. So, you know, I, I really, I liked him. I liked him. I mean, he wasn't good. He wasn't bad. I think he was an average. I think he was the right character, the right villain for the right movie. He wasn't, he didn't overpower Tony or Iron Man, and yet he wasn't defeated easily. So, I mean, he had some smarts. So that, that was important to see. I thought one of the greatest, not one of the greatest, but one of the coolest moments in the movie was when you, what you were talking about with Monaco is when Pepper gives Tony the suit. And he actually suits up for the first time. I went, that's awesome. I mean, we see this countless times over all the other movies, but it was like, wow, really going for it. So, but there's another character we're not talking about here. Well, I briefly brought up in the the seventh hearing, and that's Justin Hammer, played by Sam Rockwell. I actually had to look his name up. Do you know that was Sam Rockwell? So he kind of recruits Vanko to go kill Tony. Essentially... Mickey Rourke's character was like a proxy. Right. And, you know. He was like the dog let loose off its chain. Exactly. Exactly. So Hammer was the real villain, if you will. But so he, he betrays Hammer and everything else. And I thought that Justin Hammer played kind of, or Sam Rockwell played a really kind of slick type of character. You know, always trying to weasel his way out of situations. You know, even when they were in Monaco and, He's talking to the reporter, and the reporter, you see Tony get in the car, and she's like, you know what, I'll be right back. And he's like, what the hell? What's going on here? He's a good foil for Tony, I think. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of a good player to, you know, show the contrast. Like, Hammer gives, you know, he gives a crap, and then Tony doesn't. And so I feel like Tony would be, Hammer would be what Tony would be if he he actually cared about what people want if he actually was not motivated by just kind of... I hate to say it, but, you know, Stark, he's more of a selfish character. He's more motivated just by his own interests. and But that's kind of a strength as well, is that he can't be swayed because everything is internal. It's like him pursuing academic pursuits, things like that. And Hammer is kind of a showing, like, if Tony actually cared and was really influenced by outside motivators. Yeah, I mean, I think you, I think what you're getting at is there's two totally different sides of the spectrum here, right? You have Tony that doesn't give crap at all, and then you have Hammer on the other side that cares, and he wants to do his own thing, and they play off each other so well. 
And then you have Venko in the middle, and it's like, okay, I'm just a proxy for this guy, and so I'm just here. And he's and he's the brains. Because let's face it, Hammer made all this money, but he couldn't have done it without, or he couldn't have had the drones at the end of the movie if it wasn't for Venko. Right. So, I mean, because, you know, he shows them, them and he's, yeah, I spent $149 million on each one of these, which I thought was kind of funny. And then Venko goes to tear the head off the thing. He's like, oh, you know... Okay, well, let's just put that back, you know. Yeah, so we go to the birthday party, you know, after Monaco. And so, you know, his superiors is basically saying, you got to get this suit away from Tony. And Rose is like, I'll take care of it. And then they have the whole to-do. Tony's drunk off his rear end. And he actually says to Natalie at that point, but we find out later in Black Widow, what would you do if this was your last birthday? And she's like, anything I wanted, of course, you know. So that is a big turning point because that's when War Machine's been. So now my question to you is, is he a good, I mean, they're best friends. Right. But is, are they, do they play off each other well? I mean, obviously they play off each other well, but I guess what I'm getting at is one good for the other. So do you think Tony's better than Rhodey? I think Rhodey is just more down to earth. I mean, Rhodey, I mean, he was a tech mogul's son. He's more of a military kind of pull yourself by your bootstraps kind of person and i think he needs someone to you know temper out tony a little bit i mean he's surrounded by people that you know maybe not are as practical but i think he does get influenced a lot by tony if you remember like in the first movie you know he was upset that tony was late you know several hours and then he was just gonna not drink on the job and then all of a sudden he starts drinking on the job so i think in that relationship you know they are equals but i think tony might i think it might be skewed more towards tony so as i said war machines boards they have the big blowout after that and then that is the in that justin hammer needs and, of course, he goes to retrofit the Iron Man suit with all the weapons. I did like that sequence where he's pulling out the guns. And I, I think it was the music, too. And he's, you know, the dialogue that Sam Rockwell. I think that was a well-written thing. And so Rhodey's standing there. And he's like, Hammer says to him, I can't really get a read on you. And it's like, you're, you're like a sphinx. And he's like, I'll take it. He's like, which one? He's like, all of it. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, so, but that was the end that Hammer needed to retrofit one of the suits. So we thought, okay, great. And then, as that happens, in comes one of the characters, arguably the character, the glue of the whole thing, even though we we talked about it last week, Nick Fury. Runs the whole thing. So we see Nick Fury. I love that shot of Tony just in the Iron Man suit, hug over, (laughs) sitting at the (laughs) donut. In the donut shop. <laughs> it's like, really? I mean... Is that the same donut shop as they sit in with Captain Marvel? It might be. So I that is... Yeah, I think so. So that actually is a donut shop here in L.A. Oh, so is it? Yes. Yeah, so you're from... So tell all of our listeners where you're from. I'm from Minnesota. So boring old Minnesota. We're cold six months out of the year, and uh, we don't have very many donut shops you can't get there because it's too snowy most of the yeah. time so that so i'm from los angeles and that is an actual donut shop here in los angeles and i've seen it once but and when i passed by and i went i was thinking to myself that was the first thing i thought of. was like oh that's from Ireland. 
you know. But yeah, so it's that that whole sequence was classic. So in the donut shop, Nick Fury comes and Black Widow. So we're really introduced to Black Widow there. It was Natalie, and then we could go back to humor, the humor you were talking about when she first introduced, and we signed over the papers, and she uh, puts Happy in a uh, a scissor lock there. <laughs> You know, just like, whoa. But yeah, Tony says, oh, I want one, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just the humor is just perfectly placed. But yeah, so getting back to that. So we're introduced to Black Widow. And Fury goes on to say, you're not the biggest problem. You're not the center of my universe right now. I have bigger problems in the Southwest region. And that is, I mean, I know you're an Easter egg person. That's our first reference to Thor. And, I mean, isn't there – like, he – does he talk to somebody about the the hammer specifically? Do they say – and that's in the end credit, right? Yes. Yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit. But, yeah, you're right. And there are a couple other Easter eggs, too, that are in there going along, too. So after the whole thing happens, Fury says, okay, I have – I knew your father. He was a founding member of S.H.I.E.L.D. And so Tony had one relationship with him because that was his father. And Nick Fury had another completely different relationship with him in a professional manner as the founder or one of the founders of S.H.I.E.L.D. And so then he's basically stuck at his place that's all banged out, burnt down, and broken down. And he has to go find a suitable replacement for Palladium. And how does he do this? Well, he's watching the film. You, you know which film. Yeah. You know which scene I'm talking about. So you tell the listeners. The film from his dad that's talking about like the future. I mean, he almost reminds me of a Disney type character at that point. You know, like Disney had a lot of involvement in the World's Fair. And I kind of feel like it's kind of a callback to, you know, like a mogul who had a world stage for him to kind of act on. But anyway, I found it weird that he would have held on to that little diorama. <laughs> For that long. Yeah, but the, I do find it, I, that was an emotional, I mean, it didn't bring a tear to my eye emotional, but it was an emotional scene. Because at that point, Tony, has he never had a real good relationship with his father. And we'll, we find out how he passes away in many other films. And then, you see, it was kind of cute, Tony's head pops up and Howard's like, well, what are you doing? So then it cuts to the scene where he just walks in front of the camera and says, Tony, and, and he looks over and he's like, I'm limited by the technology I have right now. And more than anything else, you're my greatest creation. And he's basically saying, I love you. Right. After he's dead. And he's like, you're going to figure this whole thing out. And it's like, wow. Okay. So that was kind of a little emotional scene that, you know, just enough to to move the needle. And I kind of look think back to like when Tony's a dad, I think Tony's a completely different dad than his dad was. Right. But I think his father was more of an adult and he didn't know how to deal with kids. And I think that this was his attempt to like connect with his future son because he probably knows that he's not really doing well with a kid right now. So... So he gets all the film, he watches it, and then he has a little idea. So he goes to Stark Industries, and he's that was another funny scene when he's trying to talk to 
pepper, and of course he brings the strawberries, and she can't stand strawberries. <laughs> and so he's like, she says, did you bring me strawberries? You know, if there's one thing in this world I'm allergic to, it's strawberries. It's like, well, it's progress, you know? How long have they known each other? You'd think he would have picked up on that. Right. But So, yeah. And so that was that was funny. So then he's about ready to dumps the strawberries in the trash can and looks at the part of the World Fair and he puts his – he goes like this. And so he has an idea. So he takes the whole drawing back, the whole model back, and he reassembles it. And, of course, it's a new element. And he actually – by the way, I love that VR. That was, I mean, it, call it what you want, but that actually makes it kind of cool. And then he takes away all the things, and then he brings it back down. And, Isn't that an internet meme nowadays where he's like – I think so. Yeah, I think so. And he's like, Dad's still dead. He's still teaching me. He's taking me to school 20 years later. So then he goes down, and he actually gets it. And of course, you hear Jarvis – Say, well, it is a viable element, sir, but we can't make it, of course. So then about 10 minutes later, he goes ahead and he's able to, to blows up half his studio, but he's able to actually make it, which comes into play later on. But yeah, so, and Colson, right before the, the rebuild is going to start, Colson comes in and says goodbye to Tony because there is another Easter egg, which I'm sure you picked up on. He says, I've been reassigned to the Southwest region, talking about Thor. And Tony is trying to actually level all of the fusion things out. And Coulson picks up. He's like, what's this? Within two minutes, you see two different references. And, of course, that was half of Cap Shield. So it had half of the star on it, and the other half was, like, kind of deconstructed. Did you notice that? I know that when it first came out, people were talking about that, but I can never, I always forget to look for it, but I didn't see it this time when I rewatched it. Yeah, so it was, it was the left half was just like this regular shield, and the right half was kind of, it wasn't all, all, all there, all put together, and so we slides it under there. So yeah, that was one of the other Easter eggs. But so then, Hammer's not happy with Manko, he gets double-crossed, and so he's like, look, we're going to, I'm going to go to the expo and do my thing. And when we get back, we're going to talk. And yeah, that's when Benko takes control of all of the drones. But I thought the other cool thing too was we had never seen Black Widow in action. And so when he, she basically gets the information out of Hammer, they go to Hammer Industries. And, you know, she, you saw the one little scissor kick and she's just kicking butt. It takes out five guys, and Happy's just struggling to get one. And he finally gets with the uppercut, knocks the guys out. He's like, I got him. Meanwhile, you see two guys hanging there, another two guys on the floor. And then she's just walking by, and, you know, pepper spray. Like- you know, I originally thought that she was going to be evil. I actually thought Black Widow was going to be evil. But I think that the one thing that tipped me off that she might be a good guy is the fact that she doesn't focus on guns i feel like most of the villains in the marvel cinematic universe like have guns or something that war machine like the drones all had guns things like that so yeah i had never really thought about that yeah she doesn't use i mean she uses don't get me wrong you're absolutely right she uses gun on occasion guns on occasion but she doesn't she's not hyper focused on them right right so she's more aerobatic, mind games kind of stuff. So did you originally think that she had an evil vibe? Um, 
Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, I could see it. I mean, the thing is, you didn't know, right? Right. Because she was playing it off so well. I mean, even totally when they leave and she's like, Happy leaves and, and Pepper leaves. She's like, how do you do it? How do you, how do you, how are you a secret agent? You're a triple agent. What side are you playing? You know, you, you didn't know. I mean, they left that until like the absolute not end, but as far as they could have gone in the story without revealing it. And then they really revealed her, her talents, if you will, her skill set at Hammer Industry. And she went and she was kicking butt. So. Yeah, I mean, then you had the whole sequence with the with what happens at, at the expo. I mean, that that's like the fifteen minutes of your climax right there with War Machine, and then he helps, and then they take out Vanko, and finally we get our first. They finally fall in love at that point. I mean, it, it took a whole movie, but Tony and Pepper are finally a couple after this. So, I mean, did you? Th- I personally thought they were gonna kiss in the first movie. I thought it. Was- oh, oh, they wanted they wanted you to. I mean, it was one of those things where it was just enough, and then like something interrupts him. I mean, even this, even the, like the last scene where after everything's happened, and so they kiss, and then he's like, "Was that weird?" He's like, "No." So they do it again, and then Rhodey's like, "You guys look like a bunch of steels fighting over a grape." <laughs> you know, because it was so awkward. <laughs> but yeah, so they wanted you. Now you said you said something expound on this the other day. Last week you said you really didn't think Marvel did couples well, right? I don't think they do. I mean, I think, to tell you the truth, I think that Pepper and Tony work because it's a business relationship. I feel like that's kind of why it worked a little bit. I mean, out of the romances I've seen, it's kind of one of the best, but it's still not great. Like, I didn't really think they were like, Lord of the Rings, like old timey romance. It was just kind of like, oh, we kind of like each other. Let's just kiss. Woo. It wasn't like <laughs> a classic romance. Yeah. So do you think, is there any other couple that you think real? I mean, I'm trying to think of another one off the top of my head. Is there another couple in the MCU that you really like better than them? Or it's just all together, you just. The oh, Thor and the. Jane Foster. The girl. Yeah. I mean,. I think that was one of the better, because, like, it was kind of a focus of the movie, but still, I mean, it's not a great movie, so, but uh, Tony and Pepper is one of the best romances that I know, but it's really a low bar, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so so we're going to be talking about Thor next week, so that is, that's, and I I started to watch Thor today, and we'll, we'll get into it more next week, but that, wow, I was really, that that was more of a coming of age story, but the stars in that, I couldn't believe when I looked at the roster of that. I mean, nobody really knew Chris Helmsworth before that. I mean, he'd been around, but as you said earlier, when you get a Marvel movie, that makes it, right? Right. You had Anthony Hopkins. You had Rene Russo. You had Ida Selva. You had, I still think he's probably the favorite villain next to Thanos, is Tom Hiddleston as Loki. You know, it's just huge, huge cast for the time. But yeah, so that was, so we'll be doing Thor next week. So you see all that, and then they kiss, and then, so Rhodey keeps the suit, and we all know at that point he's going to stay War Machine. Right. And so, in the last five minutes, we see Tony sit down with Nick Fury, and he's looking, waiting for him, and we see two folders there. One says something that we probably 
we'll be talking about in a couple weeks. And another one is the personnel. And the other one is the Avengers Initiative. And then as soon as he's about to open it, you see Nick Fury's, no, I don't want you looking at that. Take a, And so he starts reading the personnel. He's like, read this. And so he starts reading narcissism. Agreed. <laughs> so he, he knows exactly. He knows it is. It's, it's so it's just funny at that point. He's like, all right, I'll, you can't afford my services, but if you do me a small favor, I'll, I'll consider it. Of course, he wants Stern, the senator, you know, the medal, which when I was, as we circle around, you know, the little prick. But uh, yeah, so the one thing I happen to notice, Kevin Feige or whoever selects the music must love ACDC. <laughs> so this is now the second. So right when the film begins, it's the song is Shoot to Thrill by ACDC. So as we're about to end, and maybe there's continuity with it or whatever, or there's huge ACDC fans, it's Highway to Hell. Unless, you know, ACDC just gave him full reign and said, you go do what you want with it. But yeah, so I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the music. I love the music selection. Every, as a matter of fact, every time I hear that song, that's what I think of the end of Iron Man 2. So. I think a lot of young kids probably might not be familiar with ACDC. And now, like you said, they just say, oh, that's a song from Iron Man. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Why don't you talk? So we've been talking about a couple of Easter eggs. So... Why don't you talk about the the Easter egg there at the end of not Easter egg I should say the uh, post credit scene? Well, they're just talking about like the next movie. They're just talking about Thor, how they're having an issue in Arizona, and that you know there's this random hammer in the middle of the desert. So, so what you see is it's a wide shot of a car driving, and then it stops, and you see the license plate. It's a nice close up of the license plate, and you don't even see Coulson get out. And then you just see the feet, and then he looks over and sees what the landing of what Thor had, and then turns around. I loved it. He didn't even he didn't even dial the phone. He just picked it up, you know. But uh, didn't even dial the phone. It's like, sir, we found him. And you're right. Yeah, he, he, they were teasing Thor, which is the next movie which we'll be doing next week. And it's now we're starting to slowly see everything come into focus. We've had Iron Man now. We've had Nick Fury, who's obviously the lead person or one of the lead people. You've got Black Widow. You've got Agent Coulson, even though he is a suit. You're right. You know, he's in a few of the movies. I mean, let's face it. He did eventually get his own show in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., whether you liked it or not. <laughs> but, yeah, so it's it's one of those things. Now it's starting to come into place. Now, once Thor goes... And I'll be honest, I don't even know what the end credit is. I, I'll wait all the way till the end. I mean, it's been years since I've seen this movie. So, yeah, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about arguably one of the top ten movies, if not top five movies, of this whole thing in the Avengers. Wrapping it all up, on a, we're going to do start. So our little rating system here is going to be film reels. It's not going to be stars, and it's not going to be thumbs up, and it's not... So if you had to give this out of four film reels, what are you giving this? I'd say two. It's a solid movie. I think, you know, it's not one of the worst, but it's not, you know, an introductory movie like Iron Man 1. It's not like a Avengers movie. So I'm just going to give it like a two. I th- so like a two is an average for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I, I would agree with you. Two film reels here. I think that it's, it wasn't fantastic. I mean, there as we get deeper and deeper in the MCU talks and on these uh, podcasts, we'll definitely be going higher with these ratings. But I don't think it's horrible. I think we can both agree the villain was average. I think we can both agree that the story was average. There were a few, if we're going to nitpick, there were a couple of little things. And, and there are going to be that in every single movie. We know that. Yeah. And we saw character development. I think that was the other important thing. You didn't want the characters staying in the same place. And they moved. So a couple of quick announcements. So coming, so next week, as I've been saying over and over, we're going to be doing Thor for the next Flashback Friday podcast. And then Anne is coming back on Tuesday and going to be doing the whole, we're going to be doing an oversight of the whole MCU. We are going to be talking about Doctor Strange too, Theories and what we thought of trailers and everything from CinemaCon and everything else. And we'll see what happens with it because... This, now that Kevin Feige said he has the next 10 years, which is unbelievable to think about. I mean, most studios won't even plan a year or two, maybe two years in advance. He's, he's got 10 years. So that's that's something to look forward to. Any closing thoughts? Spoilers ahead for the whole MCU. So <laughs> Yeah, if you, but seriously, if you want to, if you want to uh, watch as we're watching, watch them one week. I think that would actually, even if you've seen the movies, I mean, I've we, both of us have seen the movies several times over, and there are things in there that I don't remember. Like, she was talking about the Cap's shield. She had seen the movie, what, two or three times, and she forgot about it. If, but that would be a good idea. If you want to watch some of these movies, as we're watching them, to refresh your memory, go for it. And then I think what we'll do after every phase is we're going to rank them. So, you know. And tell us your rankings. Yeah, definitely. So leave us comments, leave us any questions you have, and we will definitely try to uh, get to those on there. Okay, so I'm David Steele. And I'm Ann Cargard. And you have been listening to Real Talk.